As I said in the first service, uh, we all know that I'm a friend of Brother Lord's, and we all know how Brother Lord is when he preaches. Amen? Yeah. What, what does he say? Talk to me. Is that right? You know, talk back to me. So same rules apply. Just because he's gone away doesn't mean that you, you get to sit and not talk. Amen? And I explained in the first service that if you don't speak to us preachers, we will be up here longer. So the ball's in your court. I got a buddy, he said he preached three and a half hours because they wasn't saying amen. I won't do that because, for one, I'm just not going to stand that long. So, so that, that's really the, the, the crux of it. So, but um, is, is it all right we have a little fun in Jesus? Is that us all right? And if you ever see me outside the pulpit, you'll see that I have uh, a fun side. Like, I got character. I'm not like most preachers. We just preach and we're very dry. Y'all don't know any preachers like that, though. Um, so if you have John chapter 10, verse 10, say amen. amen. The scripture says, in the, G, the words of Jesus here, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. King James Version. Let's pray. Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we come. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment, this opportunity to share your word once again. God of heaven, we ask you right now to strengthen us, O oh God, and move me out the way and you step in the way. God of heaven, let every word be of yours, every thought be of yours. God of heaven, we ask you right now to open the hearts, the ears of your people that they may receive what you have to say. Father, we ask you right now to allow this word to become our reality, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, let it transform us, O oh God, from the, by the renewing of our minds, O oh God, in the precious name of Jesus. God of heaven, we thank you in advance for the victory that you're going to release into our hearts, the victory that we're going to have throughout the week. God, we just thank you and we bless your high name for who you are and what you are in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Everyone, just clap your hands and tell the Lord thank you. We have here, uh, we want to talk about the gospel. We're just going to name this the gospel. Everyone say the gospel. We understand that, of course, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are the Gospels of the Bible. Now, I want to talk about the comparisons and how these two are different. The, the first three books are synoptic Gospels, is what they call a synchronized Gospel, because they're written, it's a different story, it's one story written and told from different viewpoints. If we all were to just give a synopsis of how the service was, Everyone would give something differently. Hopefully, we will all say that we had a good time in Jesus. That's what these particular writers do. They, and they call it, it's a theological term, a pan, panoramic view. 
And that's what they give. They give a different view of one story. But John approaches this Jesus that they talk about in a different way, a different form. He comes because he had a relationship with him. Peter, James, and John were the ones that you could always see Jesus with. When Jesus went in to do a healing, he kicked folk out because they couldn't believe. And even some of the disciples had to go because they just did not believe. But Peter, James, and John were the ones that stayed. So anytime that John would do some writing, he is writing from a different perspective. He's writing from a perspective of walking with him, being close with him. He sat in his lap. He was a bosom buddy of his. So what we have to understand is that as he began to write, he began to capture the uh, divinity of Jesus. He began to capture him in his godship. He began to capture, and he narrated this particular book. Anytime you would see when Jesus uh, would speak or do a miracle, then John began to capture what he did. Jesus did this, and he would begin to flow in a different realm. He came, he came into a place where he was able to defend this Jesus that he was talking about. It's a theological term that we like to use. It's called apologetics, and he was able to defend. And anytime we deal with apologetics, all we're doing is defending the gospel. You know, there's a lot of beliefs out there nowadays. There's a lot of people that they believe in Buddha. They believe in all of these other gods, uh, Rastafarians, and all these other religions. But we understand that there is only one religion and one belief in this world that gives us power. And that is connected to Jesus. Uh, yeah, I got little talkers up in here. I like this. All right, y'all. Y'all might make me preach a little bit. Uh, and so when he began to write, he, he dealt and he defended this gospel. Uh, when we begin to look at this particular story that we have here, uh, oh, we're going a different way. Yes, Lord. Uh, Jesus began to minister. Jesus did something in chapter 9 that was very significant. He healed the man that had been blind all of his life. And what that began to do, that began to cause some stir. That began to cause some problems with some people, with the Jews, because that's when they began to label him as a devil. People did not understand how is it so. Then you had those that were defending this Jesus. A devil can't do this. A devil can't open eyes. But this caused so many problems amongst the Jews. Um, if anybody was to uh, uh, proclaim this Jesus, they were going to kick them out of the temple. Now, it was very significant. Something significant happened. They began to question this young man that was blind since a baby. They began to question him. They began to question his parents. And it was kind of comical to me because they would say, you can ask him yourselves. They weren't going to get involved in that. They didn't want to get put out of the temple. You need to talk to him for yourself. You need to see what's going on for yourself. And so what began to happen is that Jesus began to talk about the good shepherd. He began to explain to them, to them who he was. But they did not receive it, and they could not really understand who he was. I'm so glad that I begin to know who Jesus is. I'm so glad that I begin to really have an understanding or a revelation of who Jesus is. Um, there was a, a theologian by the name of Paul Tillich. He said, revelation must be given and revelation must be received or else it's not revelation. Uh, oh, yeah, I feel all right up in here. Um, and, and I like to touch your neighbors and all that stuff. Just touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I got a revelation of Jesus. 
But, but, but at this particular time, it's not just about having a revelation. It's about knowing who he is and the power and the ability that this Jesus that we serve and what he has in him and what he has released unto us. Mm. And so what we have to understand is that he has given something to us that is very significant. It is called the gospel. This gospel uh, in the Hebrew or the Greek, if you will, it means God's good news. Now, we have to understand, everyone say God's good news. So this good news that we have, everyone in here likes to have some good news, amen? Uh, I got some good news on Thursday coming. I'm going to get some turkey. I'm going to get, yes, Lord, I'm going to get some sweet potatoes. And, and, and we, some are going to have noodles and mashed potatoes. And, we're going to have a good time on Thursday. That is good news to me. Uh, that's Sam's good news. But this God's good news was dealing with his divine son. And so when Jesus begins to speak here in the 10th chapter and the 10th verse, he tells us something very significant. He says, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. One thing we have to begin to understand is that we cannot accept the gospel and not accept the life. Mm. We can't accept the life and not accept the gospel. These two are a cohesive unit. They are complementing one another. Uh, you, it's like you just can't have one without the other. Now, we have to begin to understand that when we have the gospel, we have something that God has released unto us. It is now our acceptance in what we begin to do with this gospel message. The gospel message is that Jesus saves. The gospel message says that I have been brought with a price and therefore now I am free from the bondage of sin. Uh, sin and degradation don't have a part of my life. Yeah, I may struggle with some things at times, but because I've got the good news of Jesus Christ, I've got the good news, I've got the gospel, it presents to me a life of freedom. Amen. And so now, if you please, what we have to begin to see is something very significant. We have to therefore accept the death burial plus the resurrection, which equals the good news or the gospel. And so when, these, when we begin to add these two together and we get the equal uh, of the gospel, what it begins to do is begins to produce life. Mm. Um, this life that we have. Now we have to begin to understand what the text is saying and what Jesus is dealing with. We have to look at this word here cometh. Mm -hmm. And when we look at this word cometh, it, it, that begins to tell us that it adds a consistency. It has constancy. So he's constantly going to come to try to steal. Notice I said try to steal, kill, and destroy. That is the enemy's job. Every day that he, you wake up, please believe he's going to do his job. 
He's not going to lack at one time in doing his job because he does not want us to glorify the Father which is in heaven. It's not anything that's really that you have done. It's just the simple fact that we have confessed him as our personal Savior and began to receive him and we want to have a turnaround in our lives. When you were doing what he wanted you to do, you didn't have any problems. It seems like, uh, have you ever realized that soon as you begin to give your life to God, it seems like that's when we have more problems, more challenges. It seems like more people want to talk about us. It seems like more people want to stab us in the back. We get bad news from the doctor. We got uh, jobs that are talking about laying people off. When we decided to give our life to Christ. Now, what we have to understand is that that stuff was probably going to happen. It could have happened anyway. But the difference is we are not going to deal with it how we used to deal with it. Mm. Uh, we're not going to go snap off on our people. We're not going to go to the point where we're going to turn to the bottle or turn to some drugs or turn to the old boo that we used to have. What we're going to begin to do is get down on our knees and begin to talk to our father about how to make it through. Yes, Lord. Mm, Jesus, help me talk up in here. And, and so now when we uh, have this life that is being produced, what we have to begin to understand uh, according to what the text says, mm, the objective of the enemy is subjective to what Jesus has done. Uh, the objective of the enemy is subjective to what Jesus has done. Now we have to begin to understand what the objective is. The objective of the enemy is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he's not just trying to steal, kill, and destroy our lives uh, from just uh, uh, people talking about us. But he's trying to steal the call and the purpose that God has called us to do. He's trying to steal our sensitivity. He's trying to steal our minds and the love that we have. And then, if you please, he wants to begin to steal, as the Bible talks about it, the fruits of the Spirit. He begins to try to take our love, our joy, our peace, our long-suffering, our gentleness, our goodness, and our faith. If any time the enemy can snatch our faith, oh my God, we are in trouble. Everything about this gospel and what we believe is about our faith. Everything that we do, it's about our faith. You're showing faith right now, sitting in those chairs, because you have faith that the chairs are going to hold you up. But I'm telling you, oh, Lord, have mercy. If you're like me, you got to test it every once in a while. Lord, have mercy. I can't just sit in every chair. It makes me a little nervous. But we have to get to a place where we begin to put our faith and our complete trust in the God that we serve. Mm. And, and so now, if you please, what this gospel and this life begins to do for us, it, it gives us a benefit. Mm. Touch a neighbor, say, neighbor, we got benefits. <laughs> oh, no, touch them one more time and say, we got benefits. <laughs> and so the benefits that we have, it's with the life of this Jesus that we serve. It is the state of being possessed with vitality. Now we have to begin to understand that we have to have the vigor and the vitality. They have to begin to come together. 
We can have the life. We can have the vitality. But if we don't begin to push it into action, all that we are doing is standing and sitting idle unto what God has released unto us. Mm. The responsibility of us as believers is tell people what Jesus can do. Uh, we are a living testimony of what Jesus can do. We are living epistles read among men. Uh, what we have to understand is that we are not going to have everyone to come into Crossroads Sanctuary. They are going to look at the life that we are living, and the life that we are living has to be according to the good news of Jesus Christ. And so when we begin to really understand the good news of Jesus Christ, it causes us to begin to shape our ways of living. It causes us to begin to get into and delve into the Bible and begin to see what the plan is that God has for our lives. There is a plan that God is releasing for us, but we have to get to a place where we can receive this plan and understand that any time that God has a plan for us, there is going to be some suffering involved. Mm. There's going to be some times where it's going to get rough. There's going to be some times where it's going to be hard, hardships, but the Bible teaches us that we have to endure hardness like a good soldier, that we have to endure this thing. Sometimes in our enduring, oh man, I feel like talking up in here. Uh, when we begin to look at the three Hebrew boys, the Bible said that they were thrown into the fiery furnace. We know the story that they turned the fire seven times hotter. But something very significant happened. I think it was around the 26th verse. The Bible said that they were bound in their coats and their hosen. But then as they went and they fell down bound in the fire, the Bible said that they got up loosed. Lord, help me in here. Sometimes we just have to endure the furnace and allow God to begin to burn some things off of us. We have to endure the furnace that God can begin to break some yokes and destroy some things so that the good news of the gospel can reign supreme in our lives. Hallelujah. Woo. Feel all right up in here. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to contain myself in this service. Uh, I feel all right because uh, when I begin to think about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the fact that we had someone that was willing to die for us, that we had someone that was willing to take on the stain of sin, we had someone that was willing to pay all of our debts, uh, we have the good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you today, if they continue to go into war, we still got the gospel. If they, they decide to try to come over here and attack us on our own soil. We still got the good news of Jesus Christ. I've got vitality. Woo! Hey! Hey! Oh, Lord! Oh, glory! Oh, bless his name. Uh, there, there's one right there. I feel like if I get a bless his name, there's something that's about to break in your lives. Can I prophesy up in here? If you really begin to accept the good news of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you by the authority of the Holy Ghost, God will shift your life. He will turn things around for you and answer your prayers, but hold fast to the good news and the life of Jesus. Hallelujah to God. Mm. Yeah. Uh. 
Oh, bless his name. And, and so now, if you please, when we begin to understand now the benefits of Jesus, and let's go a little more further into the benefits. Uh, I'm almost over time, y'all. Jesus, help me in here. Uh, um, when we begin to look at this, he said that uh, I came that you might have this life, and this life is not just to be a mediocre life. It's not to be a life that, just, that you just go through things all the time. Mm. But this life is designed for you to live it in abundance. Uh, what we begin to understand is that we have to begin to enter into abundantly living. Uh, we have to begin to uh, enter into victorious living. Mm. What we have to begin to understand is that when we look at this word abundantly a little more, it deals with exceedingly the supreme, supremely or something further. Now we have to understand that this is the life that God, that Jesus has designed for us, mm, that we are to live exceedingly better. Mm -hmm. We are to live supremely better. Mm. That's why there is so much that is in store for us uh, because of the God that we serve. Mm. That's why he had, uh, the, oh God, help me in here. Y'all making me preach, Lord Jesus. Mm. We have to understand the, the, way, the, the way God does things. Everything that God does is done decently and in order, but it is done aforehand. That's what they call the providence, the pronoia, if you will. Um, the providence, the foresight of God. When we begin to look at the providence of God, the foresight of God, he has already begun to set things in order for us. Mm. I'll prove it in scripture. The Bible said that even before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain. That means before you and I have ever entered into, for mom and daddy even hooked up for grand, the great-grandparents even hooked up. We was already thought of, and he had already slain that lamb. Mm. That's why we got to live according to the gospel. Jesus. Woo! Hey, shout. Hallelujah. Mm. I feel all right up in here. Uh, Lord, I'm, I, oh, Lord, <laughs> I'm trying to contain myself because I, I feel like moaning a little bit because when I, when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, it causes my soul to cry out, hallelujah. <laughs> and, and so now, if you please, I got to close, y'all. It's, it's 1129, I got to close. Uh, can y'all do me a favor and touch your neighbor? Say, neighbor, mm, I'm going to live according to the good news of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. And so, and, and, and so now what he tells us is um, what we have to begin to understand is how to combat the, the plan of the enemy. Mm. Now, this is very significant to what Isaiah says here. Isaiah says in the 26th chapter and the third verse, he says, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Now, we have to understand that he gives us a responsibility to keep our mind on him. There's one thing that we can never negate in this world, and that's challenges of life. But it is, and we can, our responsibility to keep our mind stayed on God. Mm. But then we have to understand when we look at that verse backwards, uh, it tells us the responsibility of what God is going to do. Now, when we begin to keep our mind on God, what he says I'm going to do, I'm going to keep you in what? 
perfect peace. Mm. But it's about our mind being on him. Mm. And so what we have to understand that any time we want to go further in the things of God, we have to stay focused on him. Mm. And I'm going to close with this last story. Y'all, I feel so good in here. I'm trying not to act like I'm at home. I got to be right when you go into someone's house. house. You can't act unseemly like you don't have home training. But I'm, I'm telling you, I got home training now. I feel all right up in here. Uh, what we have to begin to understand is when we look at the Bible story or the gospel story of Jesus, when he was afar off, the Bible said that the, that the disciples were in a storm. And when we begin to deal with this man by the name of Peter who saw Jesus afar off, what he began to say is, Master, is that you? And he said, if it's you, why don't you bid me to come? And Jesus said, okay, come. But there was something that was so significant that was going on. The Bible teaches us and it tells us that there was a storm and the winds were boisterous. Mm. That means the winds were rocking from side to side. And I, I feel and I sentence in this house that some of us got some winds that are going on in our lives. We got some boisterous circumstances that are going on in our lives. We got some things that we really need God to do and move in our lives. We got some family issues issues that are going on in our lives. But what Peter did was he did something that he should not have done. What the Bible said that when he began to see that the winds were boisterous, he began to sink. Now I'm telling you, if you really want to make it to Jesus, don't give credence, don't give any energy to your wind. Don't give any type of thought to the circumstances that are going on in your life. What we have to do is stay focused on Jesus. Touch a neighbor and say, neighbor, you got to stay focused on Jesus. No, see, see, that's what the problem is. We're not speaking enough. We don't, we got, we, we're quiet and the Bible gives us authority to speak some things. When the scripture says that life and death lie in the power of the tongue, that means we have to speak some things. Touch your neighbor and speak to your friend, your brother, your sister, whoever it is and say, you got to stay focused on Jesus. That's right, that's right, that's right. Because when you stay focused on Jesus, that's how you're going to make it to the end. When you stay focused on Jesus, that's how you're going to really have victorious living. When you stay focused on Jesus, that's how you know it's the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are a winner. And that is the good news. I got life, and I've got it more abundantly. Hey, glory. <laughs> Woo! Jesus. God bless you. Be encouraged in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.